Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. I'm your host. Mikey is on the ones and twos. Make sure you hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. The channel is growing. We are taking off a little bit. Uh, Every time you hit subscribe, that helps us out tremendously. So if you watch the show, uh, hit that button for us. It helps us out a ton. It is April 21st. The year 2021, and this is your NFL Browns Draft Preview Show Part 1. Special guest Charlie Campbell, who is the Senior Draft Analyst at Walter Football. You can follow him on Twitter, at Draft Campbell. will be with us momentarily um, to uh, join us and talk all about the Browns draft and his mocks and what he sees going on with the draft. After that, we'll come back. We have a couple mailbag questions we're going to hit. They're good ones tonight, two good ones uh, we're going to talk about. And then um, remember, tomorrow night we'll have part two of the NFL draft uh, preview show. And tomorrow night will be Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network. He is a NFL insider and the chief uh, draft analyst over at Pro Football Net- uh, Network does a show with Trey Wingo. He's going to have a show down uh, by the uh, on the waterfront, I think, or down there somewhere um, on draft uh, nights uh, one and two, uh, Thursday and Friday night, uh, doing a show live down there. So he'll be on the show with us tomorrow night. Um, and then I believe we may have another sh- show two on Friday that's in the works. Uh, but uh, that's for sure, part one and two. Uh, We've got our guest tonight, Charlie Campbell, ready to go. Let's get right to the interview. After the interview, we'll come back. We'll hit some key points that he talked about and answer the mailbag questions, and they are good ones, so don't go anywhere after the interview. You are watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, My name is Brad Ward, and here uh, we have Mikey. Can you get him up here? Let's see if we can do this seamlessly here. And then last year he takes one in the first round. It just teams. I don't. We are absolutely thrilled to welcome to all eyes on Cleveland today, Charlie Campbell, senior draft analyst at Walter Football. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Draft Campbell. Uh, it's a uh, must follow uh, this time of year, especially, but all times of year for football. How we doing, Charlie? Doing well. How about you, Brad? I'm doing fantastic. Exciting, exciting time of year. I uh, just kind of, you know, want the draft to get here at this point. Kind of silly season a little bit right now. But uh, I did want to mention off the top to you that it's pretty remarkable. But I did notice as I was looking some things over that you led all of NFL media in correct mock draft picks in 2017 and 19. That's quite a feat, sir. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I... Uh, just uh, have a system and I, I trust people that know more about football than I do that get paid by NFL teams. So I, I'm blessed to have good contacts there and I lean on them to just try and get the most accurate projection that I can for readers. Uh, my opinion on football players is irrelevant. It doesn't matter at all, but what does matter is where NFL teams are valuing these guys, uh, where they 
you know, who they're taking off the board because of medical or character or things like that. So uh, I just strive to get as much information as I can and make the most accurate projections that I can and uh, kick my opinion and thoughts uh, to the curb and, and pay no attention to that and just focus on what NFL teams think. Clearly that that's working for you, obviously, and uh, certainly sounds like the, the best way to go about it. All right, uh, Charlie, uh, let's start off with uh, the Browns offseason here. Andrew Barry, uh, youngest GM in the league. Uh, they went offense last year. This year, they kind of wanted to remake the defense. What were your thoughts of what they did in the free agency period? thought it was very wise because this isn't a great draft in terms of uh, defensive line talent, uh, defensive tackle, defensive end. Some of the positions the Browns signed veterans at its draft is not strong, especially where Cleveland's picking. Uh really anywhere in the first round. Uh, so I thought they were wise. Uh, safety is not an especially strong position. So I thought that was another smart move to add a, a good veteran with some uh, mileage left on the tires and uh, Josh Johnson and then a uh, cornerback as well. So uh, definitely I thought they made some shrewd decisions and free agency, just giving uh, when you add in, the draft and free agency as a whole and what you can do uh, through the different methods to build up your roster. I thought they had a good plan and executed it well. Um, Charlie, what would you say uh, going into this draft, which, you know, is in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, which, what would you say would be the Browns' uh, biggest need at this point, you think? Well, I think they've done a good job of filling out their roster where they don't have a screaming need that absolutely 100% has to be filled. But I think linebacker is a position that they could look to uh, improve in the draft. And they're really three first-round linebackers, and they should be in good position to land one of them, those players being Micah Parsons from Penn State, uh, Jeremiah Wosu-Kamora from Notre Dame, and then Jamin Davis from Kentucky. And picking there uh, late in the first round, at least one of those three should get there, maybe two will. Uh, but given the, the teams and their division, I think, say, Parsons is off the board if they're picking a Wosu-Kamora or Davis. That's, that's really nice value for them because he's going to help who, either one is going to help them to defend their division rivals. Both of those guys are fast, sideline to sideline speed. They can be that quarterback spy to help neutralize Lamar Jackson uh, and Joe Burrow with his mobility. Uh, they can help the Browns in covering tight ends and man coverage, which has been an issue for Cleveland, I think. Um, but they're sideline to sideline run defenders. They also are dangerous blitzers with their ability to close. So they just bring a lot of versatility to the middle of the field. And I think that those two uh, would either one would be a good pick for Cleveland. And that's kind of where I've been um uh, thinking that's the direction they're going to go. But like I said, they have a pretty balanced roster. So uh, they have the luxury of potentially just going best player available to continue to build up the talent and depth on the team. Yeah, let me ask you this, Charlie, about the linebacker position. Kind of in town here and some of the people that, you know, what we hear around here is that potentially – this front office just doesn't value off-ball linebacker enough to use a first-round pick. What would you say to that? 
Well, I don't think there's enough of a track record to really uh, to make that judgment at this point. I mean, if you if you I I guess if you were to take in the the previous years before Dorsey got there um, and add that in, then you could make a better argument that they don't do that. But there are plenty of teams where, uh, you know, they don't address a position for years um, and then they finally do. And, you know, but leading up to it, they've said, oh, they'll never they'll never take that position in the first round, like Andy Reid and running backs. And then last year he takes one in the first round. It's just teams I don't think are that close minded. I think they do have priorities, but if they feel this is the best player available uh, and this is a guy that can help us and turn into a good starter, uh, then I think they're willing to go that route in pretty much any position aside from say like, you know, a kicker or punter. Uh, but you know, any, any position, even, you know, if guard running back, those positions can get downgraded some safety a little bit, but you'll still see teams that, you know, they might go a stretch without taking one and then they do because that's where the value dictates the direction they should go. Interesting. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland special guest tonight, Charlie Campbell. Follow him on Twitter at Draft Campbell. He's the senior draft analyst at Walter Football. Uh, so in your most uh, recent mock, you do have two linebackers. Or the, Your mock before this was Wosu Koromoa, and now you have Jameen Davis uh, mocked to the Browns currently. Uh, so you're right on that linebacker thing. I've been hearing a lot of stuff about Jameen Davis. What can you tell me about him as a player? I know you mentioned his speed a little bit, sideline to sideline, but can you go a little bit more into uh, what kind of a player he is? Yeah, well, I mean, the guy's upside is off the charts. He's about 6'3", 235 at the Kentucky Pro Day. He ran a, a 40 time, uh, I think, you know, four fours. Maybe some had him a little faster. Uh, but at any rate, I mean, it's just an amazing skill set and a rare skill set uh, at Kentucky. He's kind of a one-year wonder, which is why he's more of a late first-round potential uh, player. Uh, but last season, he played really well for the Wildcats, was a tough run defender, showed a lot of ability in pass coverage, uh, moved well in space, uh, just has a ton of upside, and the tape from last year was really good. I think if he had gone back to school and had another good season, he would have been a top 16 potential top 10 pick uh, in 2022. So uh, I think this this would be a really nice value for the Browns and a guy that years from now people could be saying, man, I can't believe they got this guy late in the first round. He has that kind of potential. So uh, really big upside, uh, but uh, it's not just a skill set. It's not just a workout warrior because his SEC tape last year was really good. Some of the other positions that kind of, you know, we've talked a lot about is I think they need a wide corner probably because I don't think they can depend on Greedy Williams with the nerve damage and missing the whole season out there. I think that's one area that they may focus on and they eventually need to address a long-term edge defender. They released Sheldon Richardson as a cap casualty. So now that potentially could be a need, Charlie. This seems like a strange year for the NFL draft, right? No combine. You've got all the opt-out players. You've got, uh, you know, limited access for scouts, less games to actually watch for a lot of these players. And some of the consent, there's like really no consensus on the cornerbacks, right? There's no consensus on, on like the edge defenders. 
I see top fives are completely different all over the place. What would you say about this year and how it's different as a draft in compared to other years? Yeah, I mean, just the pandemic has really uh, turned it upside down in terms of, uh, you know, some teams like I know uh, sources at, uh, say, Washington and the Giants, their scouts didn't go on the road all fall. They worked completely from home and on tape. Other teams had their scouts going to games and schools uh, and hitting the road. Uh, So you have that. Uh, And then you also have uh, just no, like you said, no combine, no pre-draft visits at team facilities, uh, no private workouts. So uh, it's just really much more difficult because you're getting less tools from an evaluation standpoint. So uh, players with more recent tape, uh, have a slight edge over over guys that w- didn't play last season. Uh, aside from say like the the top of the draft kind of consensus guys like Jamar Chase or Penisowell, um, but those the guys who didn't play as much are hurt by that. And football is a game of reps; so it's a game of practice. So uh, you're losing developmental time. It's going to slow down. Uh, that process for some of these players at the pro level. So it's just made everything more challenging for teams in terms of evaluating and projecting and in really in the months to come and developing as well. So uh, this is going to be a, a probably uh, go down in NFL history as maybe the most challenging draft uh, from a scouting standpoint. Do you think that leads teams to trade back more or have a tendency to do that and maybe try to get more shots at it? Well, I think it could lead to teams uh, trading back, but with 2022 picks in mind more so than 2021 because this isn't a strong draft overall. Uh, and so I think that teams will be looking if when they do move down, they'll be uh, more interested in picks in next year's draft than they are in the typical year. Uh, and you already saw that with, say, Detroit. Uh, you know, they could have had a first round pick this year for Matthew Stafford from Carolina uh, or Denver. And they decided to do first round picks in 2022 and 2023 which was a real shrewd move by Brad Holmes, their new general manager. Uh, and then as, as well, you see with San Francisco uh, and the Dolphins and the Dolphins getting picks uh, in the upcoming yeah. year's drafts, the same thing with the Eagles. So uh, I think that could end up being one of the hidden uh, kind of priorities for teams is if we are going to move down, let's not focus so much on this year. Let's hit next year. Yeah, kind of kick the can down the road. Okay, uh, that makes that makes sense too. Charlie, let's real quick go through. Uh, I just have the Browns' first four picks uh, that you have mocked to them right now. We already talked about Davis from Kentucky. Uh, currently, you have at 59, Javon Holland, uh, safety from Oregon. Uh, why the Browns at 59? Well, he just brings a lot of versatility in terms of what he can do in a secondary because he can play corner, he can play free safety. Uh, so uh, he's really excellent on special teams as well. So he's kind of a jack of all trades and really versatile. So with Grant Delpit coming off an injury, he provides some safety depth. Same thing with Greedy Williams. He's just a really nice football player um, that could stand to get a bit stronger and fill out his frame, which is 
what sends him down and missing uh, last season. But he could be a really good uh, depth and versatile contributor for Cleveland to really help that secondary in a variety of ways. In uh, round th- uh, round uh, three, you have they have eighty nine and ninety one kind of back to back consecutive picks. There you have wide receiver Jamin Osbin, Texas A and M. Uh, 6'2", 225, uh, speed is really, and quickness are really good for his size, you wrote. Uh, what what uh, made you mock him to the Browns at 89? Yeah, his play speed is, he's he's kind of like a, like a poor man's A.J. Brown or a Kenny okay. Britt in terms of um, a possessional receiver that kind of has a little more burst to him on the football field than he does in the 40. Uh, not a time speed guy, but... Uh, looking at him in 2019, he was a real tough possessional receiver. Kellen Mond really missed him last year when Osmond sat out. Uh, but he's built tough, really excellent after the catch, breaks tackles. And I think given the injuries with Odell Beckham Jr., uh, you know, having some depth there at wide receiver and then, you know, a, a, a guy that also could in the end has upside to potentially grow into a bigger role uh, as they get, you know, further into making contract decisions on Beckham and Landry. So it's just kind of a depth position that's worth taking, uh, especially with the way injuries hit teams over the season. And with wide receiver being so good in this draft uh i think it makes sense for a lot of these teams even if it's not a screaming need to take one on the day two and in the mid rounds because you're getting such good value and you're improving the depth on your roster yeah and no question the browns need to kind of start to plan ahead a succession plan because they're not going to keep that 30 million dollars to two wide receivers on there forever so Absolutely right. makes sense to get a wide receiver there. And then and of uh, the second pick in round three, and this is uh we'll kind of finish up with here today, uh Charlie, uh with you today here, Charlie, with this. Uh but defensive tackle Jay uh Tufele, am I saying that right? I don't know. Yep. USC defensive tackle six three three oh five. Uh makes a lot more sense now that they let go of Sheldon Richardson. Uh what are your thoughts on him? Well, he's really, I think, this is a bad defensive tackle draft class, but I think he's been a little bit underrated, and I think that's in part because he didn't play last season. Um, But he's strong, he's quick, um, really tough at the point of attack, uh, doesn't have great size or length, but he plays hard and uh, is a solid run defender and can get some uh, penetration as a rusher caused some disruption behind the line. Uh, so, and he has some versatility where I think you could play him as a nose tackle or a three technique in a, in a fourth three. So, uh, with Sheldon Richardson leaving and you can never have enough defensive line depth and rotational talent to help keep guys fresh. So, uh, just in the, in the mid rounds there, I think it would make sense, especially given that the, the Browns defensive line is a veteran unit now. So it wouldn't hurt to have some young, fresh legs as a backup to rotate and help keep those veterans fresh, try and keep them healthy all season. It's interesting. You, you said, I think you said this isn't a very good draft for interior defensive linemen, is it? No, it's, that's probably one of the weakest positions in this draft. Yeah, this, which is interesting with them letting Richardson go. You kind of wonder what they're thinking there. Obviously, the, the number 12 million is way too high for him, right? So that that makes sense, obviously. 
Uh, I'm hoping kind of, you know, knock on wood that maybe they can bring him back at a lower rate or whatever. Uh, but it's interesting that they let him go right after they signed Clowney. What do you think they were thinking there? Just, just save well, money I, and. Yeah, I think it's uh, saving money. And then I think they, uh, they can see what they land in the draft and they, you know, whether they look to bring him back or, you know, there's other guys still out there. K1 short, for example. I mean, uh, they okay. can still find a veteran guy uh, if need be, um, but I think for from a financial standpoint uh, and just from a, a talent standpoint, I'd rather ha- if you had to pick between Clowney and Richardson, I'd probably rather have Clowney. Uh, I think yeah. he he brings more upside and uh, problems for offenses than Richardson does. Uh, and but you know, I I think they're in a good position where they can see what they get in the draft and then they can, you know, circle back on free agency here uh, after the draft. Other guys are going to get cut as well. Guys that you and I are talking about could be available via trade. uh, And that's kind of under the scene. So uh, the off season still has plenty of time to go for them to add more uh, interior defensive line help. So I got to tell you, last thing here, and I'm going to let you go, okay, Charlie? You've been fantastic, and I thank you so much for your time. My, you know, each year we kind of fall in love with the guy in the draft, right? Like, so my draft crush this year is Tyson Campbell, cornerback Georgia, right? And you see him kind of all over the board, but you have him mocked all the way up at 12, so I was excited to see that. Uh, What are you hearing about Campbell? Um, Some people don't really have him in that first tier of corners, but clearly you do. Yeah, I've heard from teams that have him as their fourth corner, and um, I didn't have him going that high until the injury to Caleb Farley. Uh, the back surgery kind of shook up that position, and that makes it a more difficult to project because you have a big medical variable where some teams could just take a guy, a talented player like that, off their board completely, and others are going to be okay with it. And uh, so it's harder to, and that's just going to be subjective and not a real consensus. So it's harder to predict, but uh, with Philadelphia kind of needing a number one corner there, um, and in my mock, they miss out on the receivers uh, and uh, having been burned by Sidney Jones, it just kind of made sense. But I do know a lot of scouts that like Tyson Campbell. They like the size, the speed, the ability to run and cover, prevent separation. Yeah. He's a fluid athlete, uh, tons of upside. The only real knock on him I've heard from scouts is just has to get a little bit better at playing the ball on the jump balls, the 50-50s. Uh, You could see that in the Florida game where he was running with the Florida receivers who are tremendous uh, in uh, Pitts and uh, Tony, uh, excellent players. And he was able to do a pretty good job of preventing separation, but they made uh, Pitts made some catches over him. That's the one thing he has to improve on, but the skill set is there to do it. And I think with experience and NFL coaching, he definitely uh, can get better at playing the ball on those 50 50 jump balls. But uh, really talented player, lots of upside. Uh, I would be surprised if he gets to the second round. I think going in the back half of the first round looks, you know, like a real, real possibility for him. Yeah, I really like him a lot. Maybe uh, maybe he'll fall to 26. Who knows? Uh, uh, you never know. 
Charlie Campbell, senior draft analyst at Walter Football. Follow him on Twitter, at Draft Campbell on Twitter. Uh, he's a must-follow. Thank you so much for your time, uh, taking time out of your day, Charlie, to spend it here with us at All Eyes on Cleveland. And we're going to send you, I'll email you, we're going to send you an All Eyes on Cleveland t-shirt. All right, man, for coming on the show. So th- <laughs> thank, you. thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you, Brad. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you, Charlie. back that was the interview with uh charlie campbell of uh walter football senior draft analyst uh this is all eyes on cleveland browns draft review part one part two tomorrow night with tony pauline make sure you tune into that at the all eyes on cleveland youtube channel if you're listening on podcasts you can find the podcast where all popular podcasts are found all right, uh, talking Tyson Campbell there. You guys know that's my guy. I'm high on him. Uh, Charlie likes him a lot high, hearing that some teams have him as their fourth best cornerback. Uh, so that's awesome to hear. I wouldn't love if he fell right into the Browns' hands at 26. Um, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of times he's mocked past that in the second round. I, I certainly think he would be worth the pick there. I have. Him, I think he's uh, just as good as some of those guys as, as well. Um, at in the, that tier one of cornerbacks. Uh, interesting stuff from there. One of the, the interesting things that we're starting to hear now is just how thin this overall draft is with talent, right? Because of, you know, players taking the opportunity to um, extend their eligibility in college football and, and play another season. Um, and the you know with the opt outs uh, teams having a hard time evaluating guys that haven't played football in a year no draft combine some of the scouts weren't on the road uh, to see some of these guys um, and less games to evaluate from so they think it looks like the 2022 draft next year is going to be loaded so I mean ideally maybe for a team like the Browns with two threes and two fours would you rather have I mean nine picks aren't going to make this roster so would you rather have two threes and two fours this year or next year probably next year so you may see some teams maybe the Browns maybe try to maneuver a couple of those picks into the future when um, they could be used better uh, and you have a you know more top 100 tight players available than you do in this draft. Uh, let's go to the mailbag tonight. And, of course, Trey Hill will bring us to the mailbag. They're all eyes on Cleveland. We here. Yeah. All right. It's mailbag time. Uh, let's go to the land. Sports frequent flyer in the mailbag. Great question here tonight. Um, do you believe this national swing in mock drafts Towards linebacker at number 26, um, that's all I see now. So do I believe that that is the way the Browns are going to go? I believe there is a – it's all we see now, right? We're seeing a ton of um, 
the uh, JOK, we're seeing a ton of Davis uh, from Kentucky mocked to, and of course, Zayvon Collins has been there the whole time, mocked to the Browns at 26. I believe there is a disconnect between like the national perspective on what the Browns want to do in the draft and kind of maybe what the Browns think. Uh, I think they like Jacob Phillips a lot and have him high in higher regard than probably the national, uh, you know, pundits uh, realize. Um, I don't think they necessarily value the position a whole ton. Now, the one thing that's intriguing about it, and, and I, I don't think that they will go linebacker. I could be wrong, of course. But, you know, the one thing that's intriguing is Nick Shook last week said it was linebacker uh, on the show, and he talked about uh, Jameen Davis at, from Kentucky, as did Charlie this week. But what they said about him was interesting. So Shook actually comped him to Darius Leonard, uh, which is an unbelievable comp. So that makes your eyes open up right away, and you're like, holy crap, right? Darius Leonard, if you can get a guy like that. And even Campbell today saying if he would have stayed in school another year, maybe he's you know a top 10 guy in the draft. So this Davis kid is getting a lot of hype, and if he is that special of a player – Certainly you want the Browns to take him, linebacker or not. It's really, you know, about their evaluation. If they think he is that guy and that special of a linebacker, then certainly we hope that he would take him. Uh, I do think there is some kind of a disconnect there uh, between the national mock drafts and kind of maybe what's going on actually in Berea. But I think that Davis is super intriguing at this point. When you're hearing names like Leonard and hearing guys talk about him being a top 10 talent, uh, certainly that that's intriguing. Um, I do think, though, that cornerback is a priority for the Browns you know, over linebacker, over edge. I think that, you know, there's probably five guys, maybe six guys that the Browns value uh, alike a lot. And if they're there at 26, they'll take the best guy on their board at that position. To me, that's a real need there. I think they have a real need on the defensive line as well. There's just not a ton of guys in, in this draft for that, and we're going to get to that in one second. Uh, we have another question here in the mailbag, but before we do that, I did send out a poll, and we'll keep updating this poll even on tomorrow night's show. Uh, I asked everybody out there, uh, what position do you want the Browns to draft with the first pick on Twitter? Uh, 31% said linebacker, 7% wide receiver, 46% said cornerback, and then 16% said um, defensive tackle slash defensive end, so somebody on the defensive line. So cornerback uh, by a wide margin there, linebacker at 31% after that. So, you know, like I said, I'm intrigued by Davis, but I still think cornerback seems like the priority. Uh, another announcement I wanted to make here real quickly before we get to the second uh, question in tonight's mailbag. The schedule release uh, date came out today, so the actual regular season schedule for the Browns will be released on May 12th. So that's a day. You can mark it down, write it up, whatever you want to do there, uh, and uh, we can look forward to some schedule game, right, uh, on May 12th. So that's when we will get our uh, schedule and uh, the Browns playing a third-place schedule, which I think is trouble for some other teams there this year. Uh, so Browns UK at Dog Pound East on Twitter. Um, 
with the second mailbag question of the night. Uh, with Sheldon Richardson uh, going, do you see his replacement coming at pick number 26 or 59? Is there sufficient talent from release players to pick up someone post-draft as well? Well, kind of as Charlie stated, and I'll, I'll point his statement out in the interview tonight, it's a poor draft class for interior defensive linemen, uh, certainly. Uh, Barmore is intriguing. If he's there at 26, I don't know how the Browns value him, but if you think he's special, obviously he's certainly a potential player that they could take there. Uh, beyond him, I don't think anybody else is really worth that pick at 26. Um, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that they won't go at 59 and get somebody. There are some players, there's about four or five players, I think, that could contribute um, this year in the Browns rotation. I don't, I don't know how they're going to value those guys. As he said, it's a very weak class. Now, to add, to complicate that even more, and I know that's not a great answer for you, Browns UK, but to complicate that even more, the free agents that are available and the free agent class as a whole, even from start to finish, let alone now, is extremely weak at interior defensive line. So if you're looking at guys that are available on the market now, just to throw some names to you, okay? Jarrell Casey, age 31. Kawan Short, age 32. Both of those guys played less than 200 snaps last year. Geno Adkins, age 33. Corey Peters, age 33. Shelby Harris, age 30. Not a great crop of guys to look at there um, to bring in in free agency. Now, other guys will be cut. There will be people on the market. The one guy that does seem like a good fit is the guy we cut, Sheldon Richardson. We know he's probably the best available player for defensive tackle. Um, It's just that you couldn't keep him at $12 million because he's not going to make that on the open market. The other guy that would make some sense is Maurice Hurst, okay? Uh, Hurst was a fifth-round pick by the Raiders. Um, They waived him. He cleared waivers. Uh, He was actually their best-graded defender with a PFF grade of 77.9, and they waived him. Uh, So if he's cheap enough, that would make sense for the Browns to kick tires on Maurice Hurst. So... You know, Track has him at estimated at $5.6 million. Um, I think that's probably a little bit on the high side, especially in a cap crunch year like this year. I would probably, I mean, if you're the Browns, you're probably trying to do something maybe around $3, 4000000 million, uh, you know, uh, to bring him in. Uh, you know, that's probably 3 4 $5 million is what they have in mind for Richardson if they were going to bring him back. Uh, for a season. So those are the guys that if you're looking outside of the draft, you would concentrate on Hurst and, and bringing back Richardson. I don't know what Richardson will get on the open market, but the fact of it is, is he's probably the best tackle uh, out on the market right now. Um, I mean, he played, you know, all season long. His availability was great. He was a hell of a player for the Browns, a leader, uh, and uh, they just couldn't keep him at that that price, cap casually. Hopefully, knock on wood, the Browns can find a way to bring him back because, you know, he he meant a lot for this that culture too. I mean, he was there for the culture change. He was, you know, Dorsey brought him in on this deal, 
and he performed really well and was a huge part of that front four. Um, you hate to see him go. You hate to see him go, but it, you understand why at the same time. It's not, you know, I don't think it was necessarily, it's not like, oh, damn it, Barry, that's a terrible decision. You get it, $12 million. There's no way he would have, you know, made that kind of money on the open market. So you feel like you can't pay a guy like that um, for not, you know, way over what he's worth, especially when you're looking at this analytically. Um, so, which I'm sure they were. And so you hope to bring it back. The door's open, I think, there. Uh, Mary Kay has written about that and some other people as well, that that is a potential uh, possibility. So for your answer, Browns UK, long, long answer, short here. Uh, you know, Sheldon, definite possibility. Maurice Hurst, I think they should kick the tires on. Could be an answer there uh, as a free agency. You're looking just for looking for a rotational piece to come in there. Um because you've got, you know, Malik Jackson, you've got uh, you've got Jordan Elliott in there, uh, you've got Andrew Billings, right? Um, and uh, so, and a, they've got some younger guys there too that they've kept around. But those are your your main three there. You expect Clowney to play a significant amount of downs. Uh, Jake Burns has been talking about that a lot on the inside. You know, they're going to use him all along the line of scrimmage. I think Clowney will be. Uh, used inside and outside. But as far as the, as the draft goes, I would not be surprised. I think if they do take a guy, um, it would be if one of those top four or five guys is there at 89 or 91, which is possible, and it was seen in a lot of mocks, that one of those guys, uh, you know, McNeil, Alan McNeil, uh, you know, um, their names are so hard to say, Tuga Lufe or Lefe, uh, the guy's name that I just butchered that one, but that uh, Charlie uh, had brought up. There, there's a number of guys there that are in like your top five defensive tackles that could be there in that third round for the Browns. But I, I, I would probably doubt using 26 or 59 on it unless Barmore falls to 26 and they're really high on him. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. I hope you enjoyed uh, the interview and our mailbag segment. We'll update you on the poll tomorrow night. Tony Pauline, NFL Draft Insider from Pro Football Network, uh, will be with us tomorrow. So another edition. We'll be back at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, same time, same channel. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. As I said, we're kind of taking off here. We, it helps us out a ton. Make sure you hit that button. Um, hit the notification bell so you know when this Browns content is coming out. For Mikey on the ones and twos, my name is Brad Ward. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. We are out.